Welcome back to tonight's intermission report. Merrimack hosting Providence here from Lala Rink. And joining us here, actually, before the game, we're chatting with Don Tutkahun. He's doing the, uh, he's the color analyst tonight on the Nesson broadcast of the game, along with Ryan Johnston. And first of all, uh, Coach, how are you doing? I'm doing well. It's uh, my first game of the year, so obviously I'm hoping that the rust wears <laughs> off in a hurry. <laughs> well, uh, two teams tonight had played a pretty tight game last night, a 2-1 to win for Providence down in Rhode Island. Uh, first of all, uh, w- when you look at these two teams and their lineups, uh, who jumps out at you for each? team. Who are some of the guys that you're going to be talking about a lot tonight? Well, I know uh, we're featuring Brian Pino, who's their captain and local product here from North Andover, who played at St. John's Prep before going to Indianapolis and coming back to uh, Providence. He's been a great player for them going now on four years, and he'll be a central player for Providence. And we'll talk, we'll talk about Jared uh, Colquist uh, on the Merrimack side of things, because I think he's one of the guys that spearheads a very good defensive core for Merrimack and uh, in the fact that he's a captain and, and Brian's the captain of Providence. Be, those will be two features. And I think as the night goes on, the goaltenders always come into play. And so P- Patano and, uh, and, and um, hockey are uh, two players that have lived up to billing. And in fact, uh, Greg Patano has really jumped ahead of the, the curve a little bit by playing better than maybe ex- expected to play. And hockey is living up to his preseason billing and been ver- very good the last five or six games. Yeah, and talking about Craig Pantano, he's obviously he's given him a chance to win every time he's been in there. Uh, he's been on the, the short end of some two to one scores. Actually, three games now that he started have ended up ended up with that score that Merrimack has lost uh, two games to BC and then last night to Providence. When, when uh, uh, you know when a team's in in that kind of situation, where especially last night, it seemed like Merrimack just wasn't getting puck luck. They had uh, they had the goal uh, half a second after the the, uh, the horn went off at the end of the first period that uh, you know didn't count and uh, chances in the final minute when, when they were on the power play, a puck in the crease that just got cleared away. When when things like that are happening, guys can get frustrated. You know, when the puck's not going in, how do you deal with that? I mean, how, how did you deal with that as a coach? Well, not always successfully, I should add. But I I, I think it's a matter of letting the guys relax uh, to the point where you want you want to play just as hard as you, as you've been playing because you're playing well. Yeah. So continue to do that, uh, but don't worry about. The, the end result. It will take care of itself. Relax. Be a little bit more poised. Uh, you know, compliment each other. Stay on top of each other. Stay positive, and, that, and they'll, they'll break through. I think, you know, obviously, the strength of this team, as I look at it, you've got some excellent forwards that do some nice things, like Saini and, and Hennick and Tevin Tevin A. And but but it's it's the defensive core that really consistently plays at a very high level they need to somehow or another incorporate themselves more in the offense and I think you're going to see Mark and Bill and Curtis get these guys generating more offense from the defense whether it be you know getting weak side defensemen to jump into rushes to create a a numerical advantage whether you see them filling in spots in the offensive zone whenever possible to outnumber people in the slot area I think that's going to take a shape and then you just got to get dirty and be strong around on the net, you've got to, you need net front strength, and and I think you know I look at the Providence team, and that's one thing I think they have. They're not scoring a lot of goals e- either, but historically, if you look at Foley and you look at uh, Bajorkvist and you look at Wilkins and you look at Conway, who's not in the lineup, those guys continue to score goals because they're willing to go into that dirty area and be strong in that dirty area. 
you know, we saw that last night with Providence on the power play, some really epic battles there between uh, Brandon Duhane for Providence, big guy who just goes and just parks himself in front of the goaltender. He's tough to move, and Jared Colquist, an equally big and strong guy who's right there trying to uh, to move him. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot more and more these days with analytics and statistics and so on, where I saw uh, Mike McMahon from the Mac Report was uh, he published something that had the heat map that the, the NHL publishes, this heat map that shows where, where the shots on goal are coming from and the goals and so on. It's really amazing that you look at it and you see that the teams that are successful, that are scoring goals, they've got this big red mark right in front of the net, and the teams that aren't successful, they don't have that. It's further out. You know, a bit, and then uh, uh, on the flip side of things, defensively, same kind of thing. The teams that are are doing well defensively, you know, it, there's a big open space in front of their net because they're not allowing those shots, and, and the teams that are having some trouble are giving up those shots. So, I guess my question for you is on both sides of, of the offensively and defensively. I mean, how do you have success around the net front? Well, I think that there's drills that you do, obviously, and you reduce the, the the drills not to be the length of the rink or the whole size of the rink, but tight area drills. And for years, coaches have been playing three on three down low but now they even restrict it they'll put things like little fire hoses on both sides of the net to, to really you know cage them in so to speak um, and you have these three on three battles or two on two battles and it might come off a loose puck thrown to the net by a coach and then all of a sudden there's a battle ensuing either two on twos or three on threes and people have to play strong and you have to be willing to, to get dirty in order to own the puck or to, or to clear out defensively and I think those types of drills are emphasized to to a great level now, to a great degree. Even on power plays, teams practice power plays five on four, half ice in the zone. So they split the zone literally in half, move the net to one side of the rink, and they have two power plays alternating in two half zones, doing everything in a tight area. And it's just a, it's a way to get these guys to operate in that tight area with very little time, very little space, and a lot of grit involved. Coach, I'd like, to, I'd like to ask you a league question. Uh, we saw Boston College a few weeks ago. They were struggling mightily out of the gate, played some tough competition early, and since then they've won uh, seven in a row. Uh, does that surprise you, the way they've come on like this? Well, not a, on a couple of fronts, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, they, they always have good players. They have very good players. Um, I, I've heard Coach Dennehy use the phrase that uh, yeah, the Derby isn't won by a donkey ever. <laughs> and so, you know, PC's putting real talent on the ice year in and year out and in some years it just takes a little bit longer for that chemistry to take take its shape and maybe maturity to take its shape as well uh, so that, that end of it it doesn't surprise me and then you add the coaching component Jerry's experience and then the types of assistants that he has there uh, you know you just know that they're doing the right things every day in practice and those kids believe when they go into that program that we're going to win and I think, you know, I think that's probably prevalent across the league. Uh, and I think the kids at Merrimack, I think they honestly believe that with the way they're playing and the way they're coached and the way they're training, that they believe they're going to win. So that the mentality is very pervasive at BC. And so from that standpoint, John, I see them, uh, you know, always being successful as long as they have those types of players. Well, it's kind of a throwback tonight. I want to take you back to the 1980s when I, th- I know you were an assistant at you, uh, Lowell back then. You Lowell in the late 80s. I don't think during the year that uh, I think you'd moved on uh, during that 87-88 year. Merrimack is honoring the 1988 team tonight. But uh, I know you, you coached against many of those players when you were uh, at, at U Lowell. Uh, what do you remember from that time about that, that Merrimack team and what Ronnie Anderson was doing here? Well, Ronnie was a teammate of mine at BU, and, and we played actually on the same line in, in 72. And so 
uh, we've remained very close, and that was one of his great teams, if not his greatest team. And he, uh, what I remember about that team is, you know, I mean, again, not unlike a lot of the best Merrimack teams that were really strong from the goal out. You had Ribnick in the goal, and you had guys like Boyce and Schofield and Chris Keeney and Bobby Jay and, uh, you know, Fowler was a, was a defenseman for them. And I just, they had just a great core defenseman. And then Jimmy Vesey was, you know, all everything up front. And uh, Jimmy, I had recruited to go to BU. I had actually left Lowell and went back to BU for the second time on a three-tour stint. But nonetheless, uh, Jack could only take me for so long, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> move me out and then bring me back. So the long and short of it is that uh, they have so many great players, and Ronnie is, uh, to this day, one of the great hockey guys in the business around here, still working with the Chicago Blackhawks and uh, and doing great things for them right now. So just a lot of great hockey people yeah. doing big-time hockey things, and they were truly one of the very, very best teams in the country that year. All right, so Providence and Merrimack tonight here. Uh, what do you think will be uh, keys to the game tonight? What will be important and decide this game? Well, I think, you know, if, if Merrimack can forecheck like they did last night and put that type of pressure on Providence, they'll find a way to be more productive. Um, obviously, they, they, they've got to do a good job of, of staying out of the penalty box and not giving Providence the opportunity to get generate offense off the power play. You've got to, you've got to make sure that you don't give them second-chance opportunities because they work so hard. As I said before, they're so strong in that in those dirty areas you've got to make sure that you're either not leaving rebounds if you're the goaltender or if you're the defenseman you're picking up sticks and clearing people out so they don't get those second chance opportunities because they do a lot with those second chance opportunities all right should be a good one have a good call on nesson tonight I enjoy working with ryan johnson again and uh we'll talk to you again soon down the road i hope uh happy thanksgiving as well enjoy it thank you all right, that's Don Tukahun. He is doing the game tonight on Nesson, and uh, this is the Merrimack Intermission Report. We'll be back with more right after this. You're listening to Warrior Hockey.